Christ has conquered death, and now you're my slave. It's still a choice. Just as we saw with Adam and Eve, it was a choice, life or death. In today's reading from Deuteronomy, Moses presented the people with a choice, life or death. And he made it very clear that the things which make up the good life cannot be had apart from God, the source of that life. And in the gospel, Jesus tells us to choose who your master is going to be. So it is a choice, a choice of life versus death, and God wants life for us. But he wants us to choose or it isn't love. Choices have real consequences. Good choices have good consequences. Bad choices have bad consequences, and they are very real. So even after our initial commitment to Christ, we make choices continually, every day, every hour. That's why it's called a living sacrifice. So put yourself in Jesus' custody. Become a bond slave to him. Again, why a bond slave? Well, we need training. We can't just trust our own emotions, our inclinations. And on top of that, we are bombarded constantly by a different message, by a message from the things which we were enslaved to before. When's the last time you heard a good commercial which encouraged you to be unselfish rather than selfish? When's the last time you heard a commercial to regard a person of the opposite sex as someone to be respected and treated with proper with affection, but properly rather than an object for your desire? When's the last time you heard a commercial encourage you to adopt a simpler standard of living? Not very often. We need reshaping, and we need constantly to keep in shape. We need our minds renewed. We need discipling. Or is there anyone who doesn't think they need any more discipling? Don't think so. And where do we get this? How do we know how we are to live righteously? What is the tree of life for us? Well, it's first of all every word that comes from the mouth of God, as Jesus said, quoting the Old Testament. I like Psalm 19 that we use for our response today, where it tells us... Speaking to God, your law, your commands, your guidance is good for us. It is beautiful. It is right. And I especially like the, didn't notice it until we sang it this morning or recited it. The part we had this morning indicates that it goes beyond. When you go to the word of God, it goes beyond listening to what I'm saying, listening to what some other teacher said. It's listening to the elders in your congregation as you begin to see it, as you really relate to God, you become smarter than your teachers and your elders in a sense that you now have that personal relationship which really lets you understand what it's all about. The other way, of course, is by our association with one another, using the opportunities which are given to us to meet together, to discuss God's word, to praise God, to pray for one another. So these are all of the things which help to train us in righteous living. And I really do like coming here on Sunday with you just to get in a different atmosphere where we don't hear all those voices which bombard us the rest of the time 
And we hear not just the word of God, but the praise of God, and we commune with him. So stay sensitive to that. There is a line in Psalm 123, verse 2, about slaves and servants. It says, as the eyes of slave look toward the hand of their master, as the eyes of a female servant looks to the hand of her mistress, so our eyes look to the Lord our God till he shows us his mercy. And the picture I have there is of a, the good servant who's standing there, and all the master has to do is a little gesture, and the servant knows what to do and goes about and does it. So God's business as our master is about choosing life, not death. And Paul uses the slave image, as I said, so that we can get it. But as we start to obey, then we really start to get it. And we realize that with God, it's not just business, it's personal. He wants our love. God sees our relationship with him much more than as a servant. He describes it in the most intimate, closest relationships that we know in this life as a marriage as being his children, and he sees disobedience as adultery, as a child turning against its own parents. So yes, we are a slave worker, but we're also the project. We are being built into a living temple, God using us in his service, creating what he wants, a living temple, the body of his own son, Christ, the bride of Christ. And so eventually we can come to obey as a loving, trusting child. And then we can be of use to our master, our father. He can put us in charge of greater things. And as John describes it in his gospel, we move from being a servant to brethren, servant to friends, and finally to brothers and sisters of Christ himself. A few practical conclusions. First, we have chosen, but it's still a struggle. Don't give yourself permission to be tempted. Frequently we'll hear, well, being tempted is not a sin. Well, I suppose in a legalistic sense that's true. But being tempted shows us what's out of order in our hearts or our minds. If you're tempted by, if you feel a desire for something which you know in your head is not good for you, something's out of order. And so target the disorder, not the temptation. How can I get my thinking, my feeling more in order? Secondly, this is not about our individual perfection. So a lot of times we realize, gee, I failed. I failed so many times. I haven't been a good servant. Uh, sorry, servant, you don't have time for that. Get to work. It's not about our perfection. It's about our serving God and God working in us. Luke 17.10 says, So you also, <clears throat> when you have done everything you were told to do, should say, We are unworthy servants. We have only done our duty. I'll be happy if I can say that much. God's job is to make us all we can be in Christ. 
It's not our job to focus on ourselves to try to get that way. <coughs> then I put a, a challenge for the senior citizens among us. I'm old. I'm not going to change much, given up on that. I can't do as much anymore as I used to. Well, there's always something you can do. There's a uh, story in Chuck Colson's excellent book called Loving God, which he stresses that obedience is how we show love of God, about a lady that he came to know through his prison ministry who wrote letters to prisoners. She started this ministry after she moved to a nursing home. She had her room. Uh, Colson went to visit her. It was a a typical, not West County high-end nursing home. It was probably more of what you think of nursing homes 30 years ago. A lot of people sitting around watching television or just staring into space. He found this lady in her room. Her desk was stacked with letters that she had received from prisoners and that she was writing back to them. The Lord told her to do this after she got to the nursing home. And she found a way to start with one or two, and it just kept growing and growing. If you can't do that, have you prayed for your enemies lately? You can certainly do that. The challenge for the young always seems to be, I'm too busy. I've got too much going on. I've got studies. I've got children to raise. Life, the service of God is not in addition to the things, the responsibilities, and the cares that you have in your own life. It's how you're supposed to carry out those responsibilities and cares that you have in your daily life. What kind of spouse should I be? What kind of mother or father should I be? What kind of friend should I be? You don't have time not to pray. There's too much for you to manage on your own. You need the time of prayer to keep you focused and you will probably find that you are more efficient when you are focused on the things of the Lord. Be open to the Master's call. Besides, some of us do get calls to what we would consider extraordinary um, service. I just recently met a young man and his wife who, feel, who believe that they are called to be medical missionaries. His wife was already a nurse, so he quit his job in information technology and became a nurse. At this point, they are uh, working as nurses in California. They have one and a half children, but they believe that at some point, God is going to lead them to a medical mission type of ministry. I know a man who raised, he and his wife raised their three children while he was a pastor in Mexico for over 20 years. And it was not always easy. In fact, it was a little scary at times. But by trusting in the Lord and with the Lord's help, they, they did it. And finally, we are creatures of habit. So form good ones. It takes three weeks to break the sugar craving. I know, I've done it. More than once. And um, unfortunately, it takes less than three weeks to get back to the sugar craving. So a psychologist tells us it takes about three weeks to establish a habit to where you will feel that if you don't carry that out, 
you're missing something. And it can be that way with your reading of Scripture at certain time of day or spending a few minutes in prayer. If you can manage to hang it out for three weeks, you'll start to find the inclination to do it and a check if you don't do it. In a couple of weeks, we are going to celebrate the example of our Lord's service to us. On Monday, Thursday, we have the example of Jesus washing his disciples' feet, a servant's job if there ever was one. And he said very explicitly, you call me Lord and Master, and rightfully so, for so I am. And so we get another paradox, the master-servant. There is nothing too humble for God to do. And the servants reign with the master. There is nothing too difficult for you and God to do. So at this point, I got this kind of irreverent image in my mind, if you will. I'm thinking, so at the heavenly banquet, we're going to be falling all over each other trying to serve one another. I suppose some way we'll get it worked out, but let's get in shape for it now. Lord Jesus, we submit ourselves to you. We sign over our liberty to you to be your bond slaves. We pray that you would make us your good and faithful servants. And we look forward to being able to reign with you together in your kingdom of service. Amen.